0: Let's roll with it. Boom, boom, boom. This is our quick
1: Oscar telecast recap, down and dirty. Down And dirty. And dirty so just I don't like want
0: to ceremony deserved.
1: Don't don't expect bells and whistles and perfect audio. We're just recording, yeah. and Chris is going to clean it up a little bit, and we're going to throw it out there. Chris, did you watch the Oscar telecast last night in its entirety?
0: <laughs> uh, not in its entirety. I did miss. Um, I missed the beginning, and the end, and uh, but you were just, most of what was in between. You. <laughs> you were there for the middle in spirit i have to <laughs> i don't know if we want to keep this i really did take you at your word when you uh, said you wasn't gonna watch that we were gonna take a stand against it i was like absolutely yeah. so i made a point of not being anywhere near a tv uh, I'm shocked by that. Around. I
1: would think that you know me better by this point. And yes, I think one time last week, maybe on Friday, you caught me when I was like, you know what? I'm not watching. Forget it. I'm I do not care about <laughs> Hollywood self congratulation. I don't care about these awards. By the time Sunday comes around, of course I'm watching.
0: Well, and then I saw on Facebook, I think, that you were like engaging and I was like, oh shit. Oh my god. And then of course everything that you're saying just now then made sense to me. I was like, yeah, why would I believe that? <laughs> yeah. Why would I have taken that? I better cancel value?
1: my 10 p.m. reservation at some esoteric museum right. and instead sit in front of my television. Do you have a take on whether the hosts list version of the Oscar telecast is better than a hosted version?
0: Uh, I do. Without any actual knowledge, it probably comes out better. All the reactions that I've seen on social media have been actually very positive. People seem to like the ceremony and it apparently moved and was done uh, in sort of in good time. It was. I thought it did move. I thought we
1: officially have entered an era where having a host does not help. I don't know why. I think maybe just the overexposure that we have to telecasts sort of assuming a comedic point of view based on the host just might feel more out of place now than before. Not having a host worked in the telecast's favor, and towards the end of the telecast, I found myself thinking, man, if they can wrap this thing up by 11 o'clock, yeah. this is going to be one of the best recent telecasts. Um, they didn't wrap it up by 11 o'clock.
0: We, how, how off were they?
1: I think it finished at like 11.15, 11, 11.20 11, or 11.30 or something, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah. I do think there are some things that we can cut out here of the telecast in the future. Um, I, I, a lot of people are, you know, talking about sort of what some people are saying as the worst acceptance speech <laughs> of all time, uh, which might be going a little far. I'm not sure, but it was the Heron makeup speech for Vice. We can play a little of that here, and you can judge. Uh, thank you, Adam Perna, our great director, Adam McKay. Uh,
2: Christian Bale, what a! Oh, you're here.
3: <laughs> go ahead. That's you. Who's read that? No, I already did. Oh, go ahead. Uh, plan Plan B, Gary Sanchez. The voting academy members, and our fellow nominees from the U.K. and Sweden. Thank you.
2: Christian Bale. You're fantastic.
1: You're so uh, great to work with and create with and everything. Thank you.
3: Amy Adams, thank you for bringing us up to your level of commitment. Sam Rockwell and the 150 other SAG members. Great job. Susan Susan Matheson.
1: Jeff Waxman and uh,
3: Jennifer
2: Jennifer Mateloff.
3: Our DP, Greg Frazier, our scripty, Kate. And Paula Williams, Jamie Kelman, Adrian Moreau, Wesley Wofford, Christina Walton.
0: Chris Gallagher, uh,
3: Kenny Myers. Yeah, Kenny,
0: Kenny Myers. Myers. Kenny
3: Myers. Eric Horn, Brian Wade.
0: Oh my god. Okay, they started playing the music. I was uh, the, the first time that the pro- the audience was on somebody's side when they uh, when they started playing the music before the speech was Poor done.
1: Sam Rockwell. I don't usually feel bad for Sam Rockwell, but the line Sam Rockwell and the 150 other SAG actors. What? What are they
0: talking about? Union strong. <laughs> I I thought that was meant to be a union solidarity thing. Is that what it was? I mean, I'm assuming. We're always uh, beset and under siege.
1: That's usually when you name check someone, you're about to say how wonderful it was to work with (laughs) them specifically. That was a disorganized mess. That was a dig. Nobody knew what the hell they were doing. They were fumbling their papers. So as a result, given that it's 2019, we don't need any further information from this point forward. There will be no presentation of makeup and hairstyling awards. They have lost the responsibility and they need to earn it back. Wow. The other thing we need to kill, Chris, I don't think we need the death montage. It's like sports highlights. It's the same thing at ESPN with like SportsCenter sort of is not relevant anymore because we don't need to wait until 10 o'clock to see sports highlights from the day's right. games. We get them in real time. Yes. Similarly, when people die now, we get that in real time. We have our moment to look them up on the internet and to watch clips of them. It just, it's, it's unnecessary and I'm sorry, you know, so and so, a marketing director from the 80s at Disney. It just doesn't mean anything to anybody.
0: we don't need a death montage. On top of that, I think there's the very fact that, especially as the industry itself grows older, there are people dying all the time. And, and yeah, man. It's a the fact only of life, thing Chris. that happens is that people get insulted by being left out.
1: I also think we can lose the individual movie introductions and like montages for each best picture that are doled out through the course of the three hours. I mean, we all know what the best picture nominees are, but it, it takes up too much time to sort of have these belabored introductions. As much as I loved having like Barbra Streisand come out in a weird like meet cute with Spike Lee and intro Black Klansman which actually worked because of their shared Brooklyn background, Mm -hmm. it's kind of unnecessary.
0: I wonder if it's also a holdover from a different time where People kind of needed to be reminded, and also your tease, teasing for the big. Um, we know big it's warning, coming, right? don't we? That's what? the only reason we're awake. Reading about what people liked about last night's ceremony, when you do have things like the uh, the Queen. I don't know if you'd call it a tribute, but the surviving members of Queen performing. People what was that? To, why? Wh- know, what, seem, what? What was that, and why was that? Oh, people seem to
1: like it. Man, if I'm one of the any of the other Best Picture nominees, I'm pissed right now. That's true. It wait, does seem unfair. Wait a unfair minute. Why does Why uh, does this movie get? a you know two or three song musical performance, which has nothing to do with why we're there.
0: But the fact that they had performances and stuff instead of the teasing, I don't know, to me that seems like it makes sense that now, um, to just make it more entertaining along the way. I'm all for making it more entertaining. I just, starting out with the Queen thing, I didn't get that. You know how like,
1: you give one candidate airtime, you have to give the others airtime? Yep. Yeah. seemed a little unfair to the other movies to sort of have this like Bohemian Rhapsody moment throughout the whole show. That's a good point. Similarly, like, I didn't need to see Mike Myers and, and Dana Carvey again. So though no host, I'm, I'm all for it. I like it. Yeah. I, I think it removes, like, let's never do that again. Let's just have this. Um, I thought Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Meyer Rudolph were hilarious as sort of the faux hosts. Did you hear Tina Fey's joke about people who get USA Today? No. That was an interesting joke. I want to play it for you. And I want you to tell me if you find this at all, you know, the way in which, like, Hollywood can be said to have maybe lost...
0: Like, Lost Touch, a little bit the little elitist, people. a little snobbish.
1: Hey, tell me if this plays like this to you when you hear this part.
3: Good evening and welcome to the one millionth Academy Awards. We
0: are not your hosts, but we're going to stand here a little too long so that the people who
3: get USA Today tomorrow will think that we host it. <laughs> that's great, that's great.
0: A little tone deaf? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I... I guess if they just used any other paper, like the thing is that there, it's a still, so that whatever paper tomorrow's the paper, well, no, I think paper that, tomorrow would have a picture of it. But
1: don't you think the clear implication is is that if you get USA Today, you are a moron and you don't know enough to think for yourself and find out whether they did really host or not? No, I think that's the reason they're using that paper.
0: Yeah, I don't know enough about the circulation numbers, but I know it's an actual national paper as opposed to the New York Times, which is a de facto. Right. Uh, National paper. I
1: don't know. Got my class issues a little bit in a hackle. Sure. Or my class hackles. In a little bit of an issue. In a little bit of an issue. (laughs) Anyway, musical performances, did you catch any of those? No. Uh, Who else performed besides Queen? Well, uh, Gillian Welch and David Rawlings did a fantastic performance.
0: Now, Gillian Welch, that's the Doctor Who's companion? No. Who's Gillian Welch?
1: Gillian Welch and David Rawlings are longtime country music legends who wrote... The song in the Ballad of Buster oh, Scruggs, spurs. when a cowboy yeah, yeah. trades his spurs for wings or whatever. Uh, they did a fantastic moving performance of that song. And then Bette Midler, for some reason, performed the song from Mary Poppins Returns. Uh huh. I guess because Emily Blunt wasn't going to come out and perform uh, or even attend, given that perhaps the Oscars showed her and John Krasinski no love. And no nominations for either a quiet place or right. um, Mary, Mary Poppins, Poppins Returns.
0: Returns. Oh, no, because I had heard about mm. Bette Midler singing, yeah. them, but I, I never knew what the controversy was. Well, it's not a controversy. Or it's just sort of like, why no is she reason, here doing this? Why is she, as opposed yeah. to the person uh, I was Well, I saying.
1: think it's Mark Shaman was playing piano, and you know that that's probably his great friend. And she was at the screening when we went and saw Mary Poppins Returns. She ah. presented the movie, so she's obviously a supporter of his and of the film. Right. Got it. But it was one of those moments that sort of didn't have much reason for being mm-hmm. uh, in an in an evening where there were two great music performances and one forever iconic Oscar music performance and one one forever iconic Oscar moment, which was Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga uh, singing "Shallow." Mm-hmm. Did you see that?
0: Mm-mm.
1: I could have probably just done this myself. I <laughs> Because I'm not sure did, if you I haven't seen any of it, <laughs> I don't know what you're adding.
0: But anyway, I did read a little bit. It. I was going to talk about Billy Porter's. Uh, oh, that was stress. that
1: was fantastic. We can talk about that in a second. The performance of Shallow was incredible, mm-hmm. um, not least of which because of the way they staged it. And so I had texted with someone before and I said, who's performing for Shallow? Like I knew Gaga was performing, but I just assumed there was no way in hell Bradley Cooper would take the risk of singing live on the Oscars. It just felt a little risky and the type of thing that people probably wouldn't do. But no, come to find out, not only did he sing it, but they filmed it in a very similar way to the way the performance sequences were filmed uh, in the movie, Mm -hmm. which is to say, you never saw the audience's perspective. You were always seeing it from behind them on the stage so that the audience was part of what you were looking at. And it started with stagehands bringing equipment onto the stage, and then Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga literally getting out of their seats in the front row and walking up to the stage and starting to sing as wow. the music was playing in real time. It was an iconic moment. I mean, it's gonna be one of the most famous Oscar moments in history, um, it, which you didn't see. If it's gonna be that you. iconic,
0: I'm sure it'll show up. It doesn't surprise me to hear you say not that Bradley Cooper did take that risk because I don't know the man, I don't know what his life is like, but I've seen a lot of other people talking about the snub of his not getting the mm-hmm. best director nom you liked it much more than i did i didn't love the movie but he put it all out there both as an actor and as a director and i think the fact that he wasn't getting the recognition for that i could see him being like you know what fuck it yeah then in that case i will sort of put my own bow or button yeah. on this journey by going out there like you said it's definitely a risk but on the other end, he's like why why, that why not why not
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think it shows kind of like, okay, fuck you. You don't want to nominate me because I'm a first-time director, and that's really the politics of why he didn't get a Best Director nomination. If you read into it, you look into the history, there's a track record of that Mm -hmm. because the nominations come from the directors themselves, and you can just imagine people are going like, Not even necessarily in a punitive way, but I think people might say to themselves, listen, kid, you need a lot of help to make a movie anyway. That for a first-time director, probably the cinematographer was relied on pretty heavily. The experienced producers were relied on pretty heavily. So I think just saying like, okay, lightning can be captured in a bottle. Once you do it a couple of times, maybe we'll start to— Think yeah. about rewarding you the way we've rewarded Inaritu or Alfonso Cuaron with multiple Oscars. Right. I mean, looking at the category, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have stood out if he, if he had been nominated. Right. Spike Lee, Adam McKay, Alfonso Koran, Powell Pawlikowski, yeah. And Yorgos Lentimos.
0: So look, it's a strong field with yeah. one, but yes, Adam, McK- Adam McKay. Adam McKay. He did just as well, if not better, you know, than Adam uh, McKay. Absolutely. I think we can say better.
1: I mean, A Star is Born is a vastly superior piece of filmed entertainment than Vice. Period. Um, Full
0: stop. You have not seen Cold War, right? I have not. But it, I will now. It is worth it. You know, yeah. um, You know, my parents are from Poland. My mom, she had liked Pawel... uh Palakowski. previous film a lot. Partially because it's from, like, her era yeah. when it takes place. But she was saying with this one that it, it in some ways, hit a little bit too close to home. Uh, and I found it very moving. And stories about... Uh, performers who death were desperate to perform and end up with bad ends. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm always, I enjoy
1: that. (laughs) It's like when you were talking about um, the Marvel character who was the thwarted actor. Yes. The jester, the jester. I wanted to see if Ludwig Gorenson, who I'd mentioned on it. Oh, he's Swedish. Okay. Um, He won the best score and I had seen him, I think on the golden globes or something. And he just was kind of very cool and he had a very self deprecating way of talking and what was kind of cool was that he had gone to college, um, I think at USC, with Ryan Kugler. So and that, yes. in his speech, he said, like you know, twelve years ago, we were in your dorm room composing music for your first student film, and now here we are. It's kind of crazy. That's fantastic. You're reminded by that and by so many other speeches that you know these are just people who pursued something and they find themselves on the biggest stage. Yes. Just like you and I could be up there, Chris, and perhaps one
0: day. One day we will. will.
1: If I'm up there and you're not, I'll thank you. Back at you. Unlike some people that didn't get thanked last night, who, by the way, the first one I'd like to mention, and people can go listen to our Green Book episode because we covered this in pretty great detail. And I think it's going to get a lot more attention yeah. this morning, which it should. I was stunned, literally. I don't know why. So we want this in the category yeah. of race relations in America, I always have the same thing to say, which is I'm shocked and then I'm shocked that I'm shocked. Right. I am shocked that in the screenplay win and in the best picture win, none of the filmmakers mentioned Donald Shirley. Wow. The only person that mentioned Donald Shirley was Mahershala Ali when he won for Best Supporting Actor. Right. He thanked Donald Shirley. Peter Farrelly never mentioned Donald Shirley. Nick Vallelonga never mentioned Donald Shirley in these speeches. Yeah. I- I'm sorry. That is the microcosm of what is wrong with that movie. I mean, yeah, maybe and look, Vigo is great in it and Mahershala is great in it. He is. So I, I, so I have no, like, I don't have a problem with those guys' performance in the film. I think it's exciting to watch both those actors because they're so good. But if you want to look at a piece of filmed entertainment and say, which one is telling us something important about ourselves and our time through mm-hmm. a historical lens? It's not even close. It's Black Klansman tells us more about how we live today and how unsettled race relations are today, then, then Green Book does.
0: It's true. yes, yeah. That's an interesting to put those two against each other in the sense of like, because there is a question of like, what does it mean to be best picture besides box office and how it changes somebody's career? What is it, you know, fully acknowledging that to make a subjective judgment about the best, it can't be about that. So it also has this element of responding to the world as it is now, mm-hmm. and the fact that both of these were dealing with similar topics just in terms of dealing with race relations in America. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that one would choose the the one that was the easy out, the one that sort of... <laughs> of course we did that. ...touched upon it. Of course that, we did but that. But really did not confront <laughs> yeah, anything the glancing. really ugly with it. Yes. Uh, and Black Klansmen again, you know, very famous, or famously, you know, ends yeah. with a cross burning. Like, yeah. it's still there. Well, and, and also it
1: ends if, with an act of racialized violence that took place last year. Yeah. Yes. So, right. You know, I mean, so it's just. I didn't even think of that right ahead. I mean, I just couldn't believe that I saw Peter Farrelly, Nick Vallelonga, and all these white producers up on stage, and not one of them even mentioned Donald Shirley. Now, of course, it's not actually a movie about Donald Shirley. hmm However, they're not even paying lip service anymore to this concept of like, hey, we tried to tell his story as best we could. No, they're just all in on the way they were. Mm -hmm. Spike did win um, for best adapted screenplay. So Samuel L. Jackson was on stage to deliver both screenplay awards. The first one um, was for original screenplay and Green Book won that. When he opened the envelope, you can visibly see Samuel L. Jackson. He gave a look upon seeing no kidding that Green Book was the winner that was hilarious. And then when he announced adapted screenplay and it was Spike, he hollers and screams and yells and Spike comes up and they jump. it was a great hug, moment. Yes. Great moment. We'll um, play just a little bit of Spike's speech here. Um, one of the moments I thought, one of the moments of politics, when politics did appear in the telecast last night, I always thought they came from people's personal experiences and they came from... Uh, they came organically from the person speaking. And, and I thought that worked so much better than the type of like pontificating from a right. podium that mm-hmm. we've seen in years past.
3: And the Oscar goes to... Old House!
2: Charlie Wachtel, David Rabinowitz, and Kevin Wilmot, for her please!
3: This is the first Oscar nomination for Charlie Wachtell. David Rabinowitz and Kevin Wilmot, it's the first win and fifth nomination
2: for Spike Lee. All right. I want to thank Tanya Jackson Satchel. The word today is irony. The date, the 24th, the month, February, which also happens to be the shortest month of the year, which also happens to be Black History Month, the year 2019 The year 1619, history, her story. 1619, 2019, 400 years. 400 years. Our ancestors stolen from Mother Africa and brought to Jamestown, Virginia, enslaved. Our ancestors worked from the land from Kansas in the morning to Kansas at night. My grandmother, Zimmy Shelton retha who lived 100 years young who was a Spelman College graduate, even though her mother was a slave. My grandma, who saved 50 years of Social Security checks, put her the first grandchild. She called me Spiky Pooh. <laughs> she put me through Morehouse College and NYU grad film. Yeah. NYU. Before the world tonight, I give praise to our ancestors who helped build this country and what is today, along with the genocide, of his native people. We all connect with our ancestors. We will have love, wisdom, regaining, we will gain our humanity. It will be a powerful moment. The 2020 presidential election is around the corner. <laughs> Let's all mobilize. Let's all be on the right side of history. Make the, make the moral choice between love versus hate. Let's do the right thing. You know I had to get that in
1: there. He's also wearing an outfit that was partially a tribute to Prince, which is fantastic.
2: Oh,
0: uh, so so I saw somebody else saying that it was a uh, War Luigi vibe. Do you know?
1: uh, (laughs) You mean from uh, like from Mario Brothers? Super Mario Brothers? (laughs) (laughs) Who was that person, Chris? Who was that internet troll?
0: Oh, I think I think it was meant to be in a, in a positive way. Oh, I think it was? It was a millennial. Oh, people were
1: like, yeah, Luigi.
0: Absolutely. Like, I freaking oh, love God. Luigi.
1: What did you think about the set? It's on the screen behind you right now. Uh, <laughs> Do you know David Corns? Oh,
0: I didn't realize that that was David Korns. Yes.
1: David Korns, for people who don't know, is a much beloved, widely admired Broadway set designer.
0: Who, actually, I'm going to be seeing one of, I believe he did the set for Beetlejuice the musical, yes. which I'm going to see in That's, a couple I'm weeks. excited to see that, I'm too. Exci- yeah.
1: Theatrical people were excited because they thought, oh, cool, this is going to bring something new and different. And it definitely is very cool. I mean, I my it. God, it looks...
0: Ins- what sort of Gary-esque, like Frank Gary. Oh, you know, Gary-esque, yes, the, um, yes. The flowing It is flowing.
1: Unfortunately, an unintended consequence is that it also resembles Donald Trump's hair. <laughs> uh, and yes. you can go to our uh, Full Cast and Crew podcast site on Facebook and see a meme that we made for our... Uh, making fun of Trump page twit where we superimposed Trump's face because it does it fits does fit a little too perfectly it fits a little too perfectly Roma a lot of big wins I was excited for that I thought Quoran uh, gave some great speeches so I was happy to see Roma get yes. some love
0: took best director as well
1: once I think once it won best foreign language film you knew we it knew, it knew it wasn't, even, wasn't going yeah. to be best picture I, I thought that was an interesting way to split kind of the issue that I guess some people have mentioned exists in Hollywood, which is like, do we embrace Netflix or not? Which is kind of a ridiculous thing to even be wrestling with anymore. Of course you embrace it.
0: There's part of me that wants to be sympathetic about sort of holding back the tide, but they have done such, and there are definitely problems, I'm sure, and there'll be problems down the line. Yeah. uh, But they have really put their best foot forward in the type of work that they have encouraged. And as they take more chances on established filmmakers who want to do a passion project or on newer filmmakers, and on sort of odd things like they are simply picking up slack that Hollywood, that the major studios simply had let go. Absolutely. And so the fact that whatever risk there is by by the existence of something like Netflix, to my mind, it is still outweighed by the very fact that it does allow these artists to express themselves in a, in a way they they wouldn't be able to.
1: Another great moment, uh, a category that I think I advocated that they should do away with on the telecast was the shorts. However, Uh, some of the better and more interesting speeches last night came from the documentary's short subject. I guess one of the joys of a telecast like this is people you haven't heard of repping a movie you probably haven't heard of come up and give an incredibly charming speech that makes you feel warmly and positively not only towards the people on stage but towards the movie because you can just see – the exuberance and the passion yeah. with which they must have approached this film. So the, the people that won for a film called Period, End of Sentence, which is a documentary about menstruation in many, uh, maybe developing countries, ending a girl's education. <laughs>
3: share this with you baby (laughs) thank you to my mom and my sister I love you guys to Lisa Tabak and Garrett Schiff to Gunit Monga and the women of Katagira know that you are empowering women all over the world to fight for menstrual equality Uh, with the Oakwood school I share this (laughs) I share this with teachers and with students around the world, a period should
2: end a sentence, not a girl's education.
0: Good line.
1: At first I wasn't sure, <laughs> is this a comedy short subject? And like, that's a joke <laughs> or not? But no, she was, she was on point there. What else? Free Solo won best documentary film.
0: This is one year that I had seen all the Best Picture noms, all the Best Director noms. Yeah, you did quite a good job, Chris. And uh, at the end, I did a sprint to get all the foreign language, but I did not. I was not able to get through all of the documentaries. Did so you see Free Solo? I have not seen Free Solo, okay. so I was.
1: You're not missing much. I yeah. mean, honestly, I mean, look, I'm a big fan of a previous film that this husband-wife producer-director team made. But one thing that was weird about the Best Doc category was why did the Mr. Rogers movie yes. not get nominated? But their film, Meru, is is a much better, deeper, more fascinating climbing movie oh, than yeah, Free awesome Solo. Climbing. Free Solo is amazing to watch because the accomplishment that Alex Honnold accomplishes is crazy. One of the great tweets, however, last night came from the comedian Paul F. Tompkins after Free Solo won where he said, congratulations to Free Solo and National Geographic for shining a light on mental illness. <laughs> because when you watch the movie, it is basically like watching someone who's mentally ill pre-kill themselves. Huh. I mean, if he continues to do this stuff, he's going to die. Literally every person, and this is something that uh, one of his climbing partners says in an article I read yesterday, he says, look, literally everyone who has accomplished significant things in the Free Solo world is dead. <laughs> so it's sort of like it when you watch the film it's a little disconcerting because I don't think you're 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 watching someone who is not like us and right. is has this gear in his mind which causes him to do these things which you know
0: You know, I read a, a really really weird and sort of disturbing article in the new yorker a couple of years ago about um extreme athletes mm. and it had interviews with diane Nyad, who a lot of people would know mm-hmm. she had been a, a swimmer sure and now is a npr correspondent but she still swims and does these extreme feats and to hear her and some of the other people interviewed in the article and talk about they almost like own the uh the the craziness of what they're doing. They're like, it is a mental game. You have to go through the hallucinations Mm -hmm. and through the weird thoughts and like almost lose yourself.
1: Well, if you like that too, I don't know if you've seen the Diana Nyad documentary called The Other Shore, which came out in 2013. It's a great documentary about an attempt she made to swim uh, something like 130 miles from Cuba to Florida. Yes. And it's very much what you're talking about. Now she's a little bit more, I guess she could die on the swim. But it's much less likely from this guy (laughs) who is literally has no ropes and is, you know, hundreds of feet, thousands of feet above the ground. Yeah. Chris, what was your favorite red carpet look?
0: Uh, My favorite was Billy Porter.
1: Billy Porter owned the red carpet.
0: I don't even know what you and he's been owning. He's been red owning red carpets for this past year. I'd say he's year. he's
1: owned he's 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 owned fashion for awards season.
0: It is not. <laughs> it is a competition. I did not really know was sort of happening. Yeah. Until he took it.
1: He was wearing a tuxedo ball gown.
0: You know he yeah. All of his outfits have been amazing, but this <laughs> one because I th- because it's black and, yeah. and elegant and yet no, still it's formal. Has It's a a
1: man's formal ball gown, which which I think had a detachable bustle of some kind, because I saw him later on the red carpet and he was interviewing someone. He wasn't wearing the huge gown bustle part, but it was still a dress uh, even underneath, even underneath. I see. So it was kind of built for awesome. Yeah.
0: Race relations were so much a part of the Oscars but I think trans rights the past couple of years have been, what a great way to sort of express solidarity, gender and sex to bring the issue up in a way that, you know none of these films are sort of dealing with it. Uh, and I, th- I just think it's wonderful. There
1: was diversity of historic proportions in the awards given out last night, not only in some of the acting awards that were given out, yes. um, but also you had two women winning for their work on Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, one of whom, unfortunately, great win for her, but I'm sorry, you can't win, You can't go up and read your Oscar speech off your phone. This is like the ultimate millennial Oscar moment. Like a millennial actually stood on stage and said, like, I've got my speech on my phone, but I can't find it right now. And then we all had to wait several seconds while she scrolled through wherever she had to scroll yeah. through to get to the speech.
0: I have seen If Beale Street Could Talk, so I was very happy that Regina, Regina King, King uh, love her. won that. She is... She's wonderful, and that movie is wonderful. I will admit I was disappointed that – will I really thought Willem Dafoe was going to get it for the uh, At Eternity's Gate. You did? Yeah. I mean – Why? It's a different kind of performance <laughs> because with Rami Malek, everybody knows who sure. Freddie Mercury is. And so there's – even if he wasn't doing an impersonation, there's that. You compare the two.
1: Chris, so all you got to do is get, get the ear that, right. Well, I was about to
0: say, like, everybody knows he's got no ears. Like, once he cuts the ear off, it's... But he was so real. Lines that would sound like, is this person messed up? And yet he is able to imbue them mm-hmm. with this sort of, like, openness that... Uh, I don't know. I actually thought it was... The movie gets a little boring at times, mm-hmm. but uh, actually is beautifully made and, and about a beautiful subject. But... Robin Malik was good too.
1: I love watching The Red Carpet for the awkward moments. Yeah. I love watching forced, stilted conversation. I especially <laughs> love watching actors who constitutionally you can just feel are not about pretending to be excited to see some e news reporter on the red carpet and pretend to be best friends and, you know, or even pretend to know who they are by saying, like, great to see you again yeah. or any of the things that people say when they have no actual idea who they're talking to. And I know this because this happens, this this is how people talk to me all the time. They have no (laughs) idea who they're talking to. Willem Dafoe comes up for, for this movie and she asks him like one of those red carpet questions about the movie. Like, um, what was it like for you to play (laughs) Vincent van Gogh? And you know, he gamely does the thing you have to do on the red carpet, which in this case is launch into a disquisition about, painting and stillness and being in the locations and getting into character and all of these things, which were great and interesting to hear. And he was very genuinely, but he's, he's, was going through the motions. He's doing what he has to yeah. do on the commerce side of the business. Props to you, Willem. He's, he's out there working it. I'm glad to hear the movie's good. I'd like to see it. Yeah, My favorite speech of the night, uh, and I'm biased because she's a close friend. No, she's not. But I have seen Broadchurch several times. Um, But Olivia Coleman in a surprise win, and this goes back to our history, Chris. As you know, you've seen The Wife. Yes, I was, I was, (laughs) I was driven mad by the fact that Glenn Close has been winning every award since the. I mean,
0: on the plus side, Glenn Close didn't win for The Wife. I I did see The Wife. Yeah, Uh, and it's not good. (laughs) Uh, She's great. Why was she she cleaning up all the awards? She's fantastic, and you know, and it's probably a sort of lifetime achievement. But as, as a movie, it's... it's uh, really? Well, I yeah. think
1: you can tell that even Olivia Coleman herself was surprised.
3: Um, oh, it's genuinely quite stressful. <laughs> <It's>, um, uh, <laughs> this is hilarious. Go on, Oscar. <laughs> I have to thank lots of people. If, by the way, I forget anybody, I'm going to find you later. I'm going to give you all a massive snog, and I'm really sorry that, if I might forget now. Um, but your gosh, my best director, and the best film, and with Emily and Rachel, the two loveliest women in the world to fall in love with, and to go to work with every day. I mean, you can imagine, <laughs> it wasn't a hardship. And to be... ..to be in this category with these extraordinary women. And Glenn Close, you've been my idol for so long. And this is not how I I wanted it to be. And I I think you're amazing. I love you very much. Uh, My mum and my dad, (laughs) well, you know. And um, my kids are at home and watching, look. Well, if you're not, then, (laughs) well, kind of, well done. But um, I sort of of hope you are. This is not going to happen again. Um, and any little girl who's... ..who's practising their speech on the telly, you never know. And when I, I... I used to work as a cleaner, and I loved that job. I did spend quite a lot of my time imagining this. Oh, please wrap up. Right, OK. And, um... Uh, thank you. And my husband, Ed, my best friend. I love you so much. 25 years, you've been my best supporter, and he's going to cry. Um... <laughs> I'm not. And um, uh, thank you so much. A uh, uh, fox. Everybody. Everybody. The cast. The crew. Francis. <laughs> Sam. Thank you. Oh, Thank you so much. Um, Lady Gaga. Oh, and
1: Her speech reminds me of another great speech, which was from the writer and director of Bao, which won Best Animated Short. Okay. Um, That was kind of the dumpling movie. Did you see that? It was really cool. Anyway, she made a great speech, which I don't have queued up here, about if you're a nerdy girl hiding behind your sketchbook.
0: I saw somebody. uh, I saw that quote. Really cool. Uh, That is great.
1: Very cool moment. Um, And I thought that a lot of the speeches, like I said, there were some politics. But really, a lot of it was the politics of kind of like, hey, you know, yes, I'm up here and it's crazy, but I'm just like you in this way. Yes. And and I thought that was a good message when it was coming from people like that winner saying, like, you know, if you're a nerdy girl hiding behind her sketchbook, you know, this is possible for you. I thought yeah. that was great. I thought that was great for uh, the people of color who were winning, women who were winning. Of course, we didn't have any female nominated directors, even though there were plenty of movies directed by women in 2018 yeah. that I guess didn't, the Oscar, community didn't feel like rewarding although the independent spirit awards on saturday night had three or four of them so that was apparently a fun show what else chris
0: just one thing you know uh spider-man into the spider Spider uh, Spider spider-man's great best animated feature of course uh, what made me think about it is exactly uh, that's such a big theme that sort of like it could be you uh yes which is part of both the spider-man character but certainly they play that up in this the the multiple versions of this story of the hero it could be any Mm -hmm. anybody who uh you know has the character to sort of do it at the at the you know when when destiny calls and uh i think that's just it's a wonderful note that that would be a recurring theme in this in this year's oscars
1: heading into the final category i was thinking to myself you know what I came into this cynical and jaded. I know that'll be a shocker to you and to any regular (laughs) listener and to anyone who knows me or cohabitates with me. Um, But, you know, the telecast won me over. I thought it was I thought I was I thought, you know what? This is actually a good template for a modern movie awards telecast. They're doing everything right. And then (laughs) Green Book wins best picture. And you could just feel the air go out of the room. I mean, it just it's so demonstrably did not fit with what we had just seen. And it's so unfortunate that a lot of people go into making a movie, a lot of people worked their best in really good intentioned ways, I am sure. sure, to make that film. And I know that getting exercised about what is or isn't best picture in the Academy Awards is ridiculous. However, you'd like to think that somewhere along the way, it's like we took two steps forward and then we took this giant step yeah. back in just rewarding a movie that's just dated in its approach. I mean, Do the Right Thing, to me, is an iconic great film. It is probably Spike's greatest film. Yes. And Black Klansman is not great in that same way. It's It's. It's good, and it has a lot of great things going for it. Absolutely, it's funny, yes. the the satire is razor sharp, and it pulls no punches, it lets no one off the hook.
0: And, and so perfect for this time. Perfect for this time. I think it is directly addressing something of this moment And yet.
1: Yeah, there's a woman named Jenny Miller on Twitter, Ms. Jenny Miller, who posted uh, an email she received from Charles Wessler, who is a producer of Green Book. And he sent her this like mansplaining email about why her take on Green Book was wrong. I'm just going to read a little bit. He says, Green Book is the furthest thing from a racist movie. The lead character's name is Tony, not Frank, paying attention. It was made by white people and black people. There is no, quote, problem, end quote, as you say in your clickbait headline. African-Americans, for the most part, love this film. He concludes by saying, I will not go on and on and how wrong you are, but you have a big-ass responsibility to write the truth when you write for NBC. You, on the other hand, are writing like a Fox reporter. Call me any time for advice. Charles B. Wessler, producer of Green Book.
0: Oh, that's nice. It's it's, the just, advice.
1: it's just so it's so exactly what's wrong with the movie, the the intentions, good or otherwise, of the, the people at the highest level involved. Then I think you have an example here of where, to me, Green Book just went wrong. Right. And to have it be the best picture in a year when there are so many other. Of course, again, it's ridiculous to even have the discussion of what's best. No, but no, if, no, we're gonna but it, again, if we're going to do it, if we're going
0: to do it, let's have the fact is there are people who did amazing work. Roma is amazing. I, you know, the favorite is amazing. Black Klansman, uh, fantastic. And Spike Lee is an amazing director. And what, disheartening to hear that email written because sure, like I can understand somebody being like, no, they didn't get it. I, they don't understand. Here's what I yes. was trying to do. Here are my intentions. <laughs> but boy, check yourself before you oh, before Oh God, you let me mansplain it.
1: to you from my... And to come oh. from
0: that kind of place of ill-considered <laughs> Call me any time for advice. You're like, it's You're An asshole. Yeah, whoever it's, you are, Charles B. Wessler. Well. Well, that's not too bad.
1: Anyway, um, I think that
0: about covers it.
1: Well, join us next year.
0: Next year for for another uh, tight thirty about and, Oscars twenty. And Chris, 19. next year I
1: won't throw you a double fake by telling you on Friday that I'm not planning on watching the telecast and then leaving you scrambling on Monday morning I to Google to as many clips as possible to try and sound like in you my
0: phone. Covered it. I'm going to put, put it in put your phone. reminder. It's sort of like a 21st century version of Memento. Like, yes. he is lying to you. He's going to you. watch it. Yes.
1: Okay. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back Thursday.